0: For thousands of years, we've been under the impression the Bible was meant to be taken seriously. Finally, a new translation that'll change all that. This is Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible! Yeah! Welcome to episode 14 of Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible with me, David Tuckman, coming to you from the Magnet Theater in front of a live audience! Each month on the show, a guest joins me and tries to read as many chapters as possible of my own personal translation of the Old Testament from the original Hebrew while I make fun of it. Today is Monday, November 4th, 2014. It's a very, very special day. This is an uh, unplanned special episode. Let's just get right to our guest. Let's bring our guest out. Are you guys ready for your guest? Yeah. So originally, uh, we had planned to have Steve Wells on the show tonight, the author of The Skeptics Annotated Bible, which I'm holding in my hand right now, an incredible project where he went through the entire. Bible, including the New Testament, which to me as a Jew is like the not real testament, but whatever. Uh, And he annotated it and, and wrote every single crazy thing and contradiction and weird thing that God does in it or that any character does in it. And it's published in a beautiful hardbound volume that I'm holding up to our crowd right now. He also had another book that just came out recently called Drunk with Blood, God's Killings in the Bible, where he goes through each and every time God kills somebody in the Bible. And somebody's cheering for that comes up with a tally of about 25 million, I think. So That's what's in this book. He can't make it tonight, but in his stead, uh, all of these books are published by a company called Skeptics Annotated Bible Books. We have tonight his son and the manager of SAB Books, Philip Wells. Let's hear it for him. Welcome, Philip. How are you doing? He's coming up to the mic. Hello. Here he is. He came through the door. One of the reasons I love the Magnet Theater, there's a door on stage. I missed it on my way out, which is a big problem. How are you, Phil? Oh, I'm good. Good, good, good. Um, let's talk about these books because, you know, this is a, this is a crazy project. And I, I'm just wondering your perspective on your father working on this. Um, first of all, you know, you, I, apparently you've been on the road for two weeks. We have. Yeah. Um, where, I mean, where do you live? I know you're not from New York. Uh, Moscow, Idaho. Wow. So you're in town <laughs> very briefly. <laughs> w- what are you guys doing on the East Coast? Uh, we're recording this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you came all and the way here just for this? We did. Uh-huh. Um,
1: and also we uh, went to Georgia where we just recently got the Skeptics Annotated Bible placed side by side the Gideon Bibles in the hotel rooms at a state park. Um, the idea there was that uh, really at a state park, there shouldn't be a you know a Gideon Bible uh, endorsement of religion. So uh, someone from the American Atheists complained, uh, <laughs> and they said, well, if you want to put your literature in there, go right ahead. So we offered to donate 100 copies of the Skeptics' Annotated Bible to put it right next to the uh, Gideon Bible as an alternative. Awesome. So we stopped by and checked that out. <laughs> And uh, we went to Little Rock, Arkansas Mm -hmm. uh, on a little, we went to a a convention there. And we thought, well, we might as well keep going to New York City. It's just another...
0: You're just on the East Coast. 1,400 miles. (laughs) May as well drive two more days. So I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here to record this show with me, to read a bit of the Bible with me. Um, You know, I like to talk to my guests about religion and its impact on their lives, if any... Um, are you religious, Phil? Uh, no, I am an atheist. Okay. Were you raised that way? I would
1: imagine. I was baptized when I was one, uh-huh. and then um, Steve, my my dad, uh, became an atheist, and so I was an atheist at two.
0: So So what was that like for you as a two-year-old? It was hard. Yeah. You know,
1: giving up uh, so much. You, you know, had gotten heaven. so used to
0: those beliefs by that point. <laughs> right. So the, 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 everyone always says you're born an atheist, but you weren't. You were born... <laughs> I, I guess I was born a Catholic. Catholic. What's it like... Uh, I, you know, I grew up religious, and I think a lot of my... So many of my listeners did. What What was it like, uh, say, for one year growing up in, in, a, in a household raised by atheists? Well, I'm we, very curious. we grew up in Pocatello, Idaho,
1: which is um, pretty close to the border of Utah, and it's kind of... Uh, it's Mormon country. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, it, it was a little bit uh, strange. I, I didn't know too many other, you know, non-believers. But mm-hmm. mainly the difference was we didn't go to church on Sunday. Um, and we didn't pray before the meals. So right. I would go to my friend's house for, you know, and have dinner over there. And I wouldn't, you know, they would be praying and I would just sort of look down. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that. But
0: how bad. did you know good from bad?
1: That is a good question. <laughs> um, well, I don't think that, you know, I you know, I'm not sure what any of us do, you know. And but you, if you if you look at that book for, you know, the Bible for your morality,
0: then um you got problems. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a really good point. Or, or you know, the response to everything is just flood the place. Um do you, so you don't believe in God, do you? <laughs> no. Okay. Um if you had and I have questions here that were written for Steve a little bit. If you had a conception of God, do you know, like could you tell me what you don't believe in, if that makes sense? Hmm.
1: Uh, I, I, I don't believe in, um, you know, a, a a divine man in the sky who's mm-hmm. pulling
0: the strings. Yeah. Um. I mean, I like... So I like um, talking to people about what their conceptions of the idea of God is, because I think that that's something that... um yes. You know, it's kind of handed to people in religion, but we don't really... There, there are different ideas of it that, that people talk about, but it's not something that's really discussed publicly. It's sort of like, God did this, is this, loves you, whatever. But what is it, really? I don't know. So, Well, the idea of someone
1: who knows everything yeah. and is all-powerful, um, okay. I think that's what I don't believe in.
0: Okay, um, cool.
1: But I was just reading the um, Bhagavad Gita. Right. We were reading that out loud on the, on the road. And that is kind of, you know, the uh, Krishna, you know, um, God is, is kind of a different take mm-hmm. on, on the God um, character. And so that, that was interesting to read about. Um, what was the Krishna character like? Well, the, the Bhagavad Gita, it starts um, with, uh, uh, there's Krishna mm-hmm. um, and the, there's a young prince, Arjuna. And um, he is about to fight in this war. And the whole story is a conversation between him and Krishna when um, they, are, they go into the middle and they look out upon the opposing army and uh, Arjuna sees his family and friends out you know, in, the, in the army and he says, oh, I, I don't want to fight in this war anymore. I can't, I can't kill my family, my friends. And then the whole book is uh, Krishna explaining why he should go out and fight and kill people. And so it's, a, you know, it's his duty. He's not really killing the people. Mm-hmm. He is... Um, you know he he doesn't have the power to take away life only krishna has that power mm-hmm. um, because their life is transferred to another exactly yeah. and so it's you know the the morals of that idea you know then you could kill anyone you want essentially so yeah. i thought that was a fun uh, a different <laughs> idea of of god just changing where the souls are in different you know and in that's, a,
0: that's a fun idea, that you could just kill whoever you want, because it doesn't actually matter. <laughs> maybe fun for you. <laughs> <laughs> Not by fun, I mean creepy. Um, so you've, you've, you know, you've seen your father work on this project. Uh, I mean, how long has he been doing it? He's been doing it for about 22 years. Wow. So, um, so yeah, th-
1: about, as lo- about as long as I've been. Uh, he uh, had, yeah, had a moment when I was about one year old, maybe one and a half. Mm-hmm. where all of a sudden he had all these questions about that he had never really thought about as much as he should have, you know, the existence of God, the, the existence of hell, mm-hmm. you know, these ideas that we were on a camping trip, and all of a sudden he, uh, <laughs> he it was just actually me and uh, my mom and him, and he all of a sudden was in the car and said, I can't, I can't believe it anymore, we're not, I'm not going to church. It was Saturday. He said, I'm not going to church tomorrow. <laughs> and so then he proceeded to uh, talk to my mom, you know, for the next week or two because they were traditionalist Catholic. Mm -hmm. And so they, and he ended up convincing her to, you know, not be Catholic anymore either. So, but, um, but anyway, after that, he went through the Bible with a highlighter right? and he highlighted different things that he thought were, well, at first he just highlighted things he he thought were interesting. And then he highlighted things he thought were cruel. And then he highlighted things he thought were misogynistic Mm -hmm. and, um, dealt with, you know, homosexuality and contradictions. And, by the end, he had this King James version of the Bible that was just filled with highlighter stuff, and he thought, <laughs> "Someone should. Why hasn't anyone else done this before? Has yeah. anyone else read this book? You know." And so, <laughs> then he made a uh, web. No. He, he sent it off to some publishers and made a website, and right. then uh, finally, you know, I I kind of became involved because he he printed it off about sixteen hundred pages on printer paper, and was trying to edit it and put it together himself, and didn't know how to find a printer or do anything. And I didn't either, but you know, I just said, well, it looks
0: like you need some help here. And we kind of started a business together. Wow. So, yeah. so you've been really involved in this process, at least uh, at least more recently, in, in getting this thing into print. It, yeah, when I was a kid
1: it was just always my dad over there on the corner in the computer for <laughs> six hours at a time, always kind of wondering what he was up to. But yeah, um, in the last two years, I've been full-time at this. Um, and, you know, working on the design stuff, the distribution, yeah. sales, printing, you know, just pretty much just kind of everything.
0: I really like I really like this bound version of it because it's it's printed on Bible paper, which yeah. is really great. It feels like a Bible <laughs> I thought just that with was important. that little margin added. Um, what I mean, uh, what other projects do you have in the future? I mean, so you, it's interesting because you were grew up atheist, but you're also very well read in terms of religious text. It is interesting. I was uh, well, we're. We're working on the Book of Mormon. Yes, is is, uh, you
1: know one of the next ones. We're working on a book called Strange Flesh: um, What the Bible Says About Homosexuality, um, which has been just an awesome project. It's been really fun to um, to edit and uh, try to put it together because there's so many conflicting arguments about um, you know there's people saying you know God hates fags over here and you know (laughs) that they people really who still think that we should stone and burn to death homosexuals and that is. Just crazy, it's right? Not nice. But then, on the other hand, there are people who are saying that you know that Jesus was gay, that Joseph was gay because he wore a coat with many colors. Um, that, uh, that the three wise men. <laughs> we'll were get gay. to that in a few months. I have some problems with that. <laughs> the three wise men were gay because they had the foresight to go shopping beforehand. Uh, and then, no, people actually say people that. actually say this in like scholarly books that they're hidden away because they just mention it in passing and you think, <laughs> what are you talking about? You know? So there's that, that, that God was gay, um, that, you know, is gay. It's just, anyway, so they go pretty far and so it's fun to look at that and and, and cite the original source you're getting it from. Yeah. And then, so, yeah, that's a project. That should and, be interesting. But, yeah, as far as, you know, my, um, you know, experience with, the, with religions, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in it. I've never been religious exactly, but, um, whenever I get the chance, you know, it's just on the subway, you know, yesterday I was talking to two Mormon missionaries because whenever I get the chance, I just, you know,
0: I'm, I'm talking about religion. So so here I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, in your reading of it, you've read so much of this stuff or you read of all of this stuff. Do you have the one story or one character that sticks out to you that's your favorite, that's stuck with you? I uh, really like Samson. Mm-hmm. Um, he is... Uh, <laughs> He's a fascinating
1: character. Yes, he is.
0: I've been seeing a lot of tweets. I keep uh searching in Twitter for comedian Bible because it was using a tweet about me and there's this joke I keep seeing, uh who's the best comedian in the Bible? Samson, because he brought the house down. <laughs> hey, at least I laugh for you. <laughs> no, that's not my joke. <laughs> I do not take ownership of that. So why why what 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 do you like about Samson? Um well, I
1: the, uh, there's just so many, you know, there's, uh, him, you know, killing all the people with the jawbone of the ass, yes. you know, and then using it as a drinking fountain right afterwards because he, he's a badass water <laughs> came awesome. out of the jawbone. I think that's great. Uh, and then he, you know, he's, he's tying foxtails together and lighting them on fire and destroying people's fields. And, and then he's, he, yeah, he's, you know, he, he gets his hair, you know, uh, chopped oh. off. They're, they're binding his hands and he keeps breaking them apart, and it's, I mean,
0: he's just... He's like the John McLean of the Bible. (laughs) Yes. You know, I have, okay, I have one more question. I find you very pleasant to to speak to. Um, Yesterday we had brunch. Um, You were very nice. You are very pleasant. Here now I think the audience would agree they they don't hate you. Um, Why aren't you more evil? (laughs) (laughs)
1: What is, what is there to gain by being evil? That's that's a great answer. Okay,
0: um, are you guys ready to <laughs> hear the Bible? Yeah! Okay, so, previously, in the Bible, all that creation stuff went down, the flood, penis chopping, you know the drill. Yitzchak, Avraham's son, had two kids, Yaakov and Esav. Esav wanted to kill Yaakov, so Yaakov ran to his uncle's house and made it with his cousin, some other ladies, too. He worked for Levin for 14 years for the honor of that baby-making and only took a whole lot of blemished sheep as payment. This is Torah, a loose translation, in the beginning, chapter 25, in which Yaakov runs away from his father-in-law.
1: Yavin's sons gossiped, and Yaakov heard everything. Yaakov took all of our father's stuff, they said. Any honor he has comes from our father's wealth. Yaakov also noticed that Yavin's face
0: had changed. His nose was on the top now, and his eyes had switched places. Go back to your father's country, your birthplace, Yehovah said to Yaakov. I'll be there with you. According to Rashi, who I quote often, and is a fun guy, uh, a medieval Jewish scholar, God said... Not captured here for whatever reason. You have to leave Yat-Lavan because he is impure. I can't be with you while you're around him. God is very much an abusive spouse. Yaakov
1: called Raquel and Leah to his field where his sheep were. I saw your dad's face, he told them. It doesn't look like it did many yesterdays ago. My father's God is with me.
0: Why is Yaakov talking like he's a wizard?
1: You know that I've worked for your father with all of my strength, but he has cheated me and changed my wages tons of times. But God has not let me hurt your dad. God has not let me hurt him, which means he has just been dying to beat that guy up. Everything went my way. If Yavin said, the dotted ones are yours, then all the sheeps had dotted kids. If Yavin said that the streaked ones are yours... Then all the sheep had streaked kids.
0: Now, I thought that was because of the whole, stri- uh, the, the whole stick trick where he put striped sticks in front of the water, but maybe it was just God.
1: God took your father's livestock and gave it to me. During the mating season, I looked up and had a vision. He-goats were mounting the flock sexually. Weird dream, dude. <laughs> they were streaked, dotted, and striped. Yaakov, one of God's, mes- one of God's messengers said to me, here I am, I said. Check it out, the messenger said. All the he-goats humping the flock are streaked, spotted, and striped. Isn't that nuts? It's because I saw everything Yavan did to you. I am the god from the house of El,
0: where you poured oil on a pillar and swore allegiance to me. Remember back in 21 when Yaakov dreamt about the ladder and decided he was in God's house and then put some a pile of rocks together and poured all over it? That's just context for it. Also, um, originally, like, three sentences ago, this was a messenger, and now it's speaking in the first person as though it's Jehovah. Also, one last thing, it's weird that he tells his ladies about this and says that it's in a dream, when just last page, at least according to this, Jehovah spoke directly to him. Now get up, get out of here, and go back where you came
1: from. Don't we still deserve a part of our father's estate? Raquel and Leah asked, Since we were sold to you, he treats us like strangers. Any wealth God gave you from, his, from him belongs to us and our children by right.
0: Whatever God said to you, we'll do. They seem surprisingly okay with running away from their father's home. Also, the fact that they're like, Hey, our, property, our father's property belongs to us seems really progressive for what's been, the fact that they were given his property to Yaakov. Yaakov packed up his sons, wives, and camels. He
1: drove off with all of his livestock and the stuff he'd collected during the time during his time in Padam Iran, headed and headed to his father, Yitzchak in Canaan. When Yavin left to shear his sheep,
0: Raquel stole his household idols. Apparently, back then people just kept small idols around the house in case they were in a room and wanted to worship. Some people believe that Rachel stole them because she didn't want Lavan to worship other gods and wanted him to worship Yehovah and figured that he was too lazy to go back to the store and buy some more idols, so he just switched religions. It's also possible that she wanted to pray to them. Yaakov stole Lavan's heart. He didn't tell him they were leaving. Back then, stealing someone's heart is not a nice thing to do.
1: Yaakov left with everything he had, rose up and crossed the river, and then set off
0: towards Mount Gilad. By the way, um, Yaakov had massive flocks that God gave him as we know from previous chapters, tons of property, at least four women, there may be more that we don't even know about, a whole lot of children, and who knows how many slaves. So he didn't sneak out, I don't think. (laughs) That's chapter 25. I think we can do one more. You guys ready for chapter 26? This is 26, in which Lavan chases Yaakov down and gives him a very severe talking to. Three days later, someone told Lavan that Yaakov left. So, you know, maybe that plan that they hatched where Lavan and Yaakov are separated a three days walk wasn't the greatest idea. He got his brothers
1: together, and for seven days, they chased after Yaakov. They finally caught up with him near Mount Gilad. That night, God came to Lavan and Arami in a dream.
0: His ethnicity matters right now for some reason.
1: Whether you say, whether what you say is good or bad, he said, watch yourself when you're talking to Yaakov, all right? All right. Lavon overtook Yaakov. Yaakov had pitched his tent on the mountain, and Lavon stationed his brothers in the Mount Gilad area. What did you do, Lavon said to Yakov? You stole my heart. Oh, no. That still means
0: lying. Okay. And you treated my daughters like prisoners of war. They left willingly. What is he talking about? Also, um, I added Lavan said to Yaakov because there's no attribution here, and it looks like Levon might just be rehearsing this in front of a mirror. Why were you
1: so devious? Why'd you run away and trick me? You didn't even let me give you a proper farewell with singing, timbrel, and lyre. Weird. You didn't even let me kiss my daughters and sons goodbye. You did a very silly thing. I could really mess you up, Yaakov. But last night, your father's God told me, watch yourself when you're talking to Yaakov. So you ran off to your daughter's house because you were homesick. Fine. I can't say nothing about that. But why did you steal my tiny statues? <laughs> I was afraid you might steal your daughters from me, Yaakov said. Note once again, to steal your daughters from me. These women are property. But your idols? Whoever took your idols, they will not leave this place. With all your brothers watching, search what I have and take back what is yours. Yaakov didn't know Raquel stole the idols. Thank you. Levon went into Yaakov's tent, then Leah's tent, then the tents of the two lady slaves. But he didn't find anything. Mm. He left Leah's tent and searched Raquel's tent. Raquel put the idols on a camel and sat on them. Levon searched the whole tent and found nothing. Please, my lord, she said to your father. To her, to her father, don't be mad I'm not getting up to say hello, but I'm on my period. So he searched and searched and could not find the idols. I
0: can't believe that worked. What?
1: But, but now, Yaakov was pretty pissed at Levon. What did I do wrong, he said. You mean, wait, besides not saying goodbye? What was my sin? Why did you chase after me? Now that you've looked through all my things, what did you find? Put it here before all our brothers and let them decide. Damn. I was with you for 20 years, and in that whole time, not one of your ewes had a miscarriage. And I never ate your rams. If never, if I never returned an animal to you mangled in any way. If an animal was taken, by day or by night, I took the loss. By day, I was ravaged by blazing heat, and by night, I froze in the icy cold. Sleep was chased from my eyes. Wow. <laughs> I spent 20 years working in your house. Fourteen of those were for your daughters, and six were for my flock. And through it all, you Wait. changed. <laughs> the sheep were cheaper than the daughters. Okay. <laughs> and through it all, you changed my wages ten times, without the God of my fathers, the God of e- Abraham, and the dread of Yitshak. What the dread? You'd be sending me away penniless. God saw my objection and the work that I had done. That's why He told you off last night. The daughters are my daughters," Laban said. And your sons are my sons. The flock is my flock. Everything you see belongs to me. What would I do to my daughters or to the sons they've had? Come,
0: let's make a treaty, and there will be a witness between uh-huh. the two uh-huh. of no, us. No, 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 no. Come, let's make a treaty, and we'll be a witness between the two of us, because there is a word missing in the Hebrew.
1: <laughs>
0: Come, let's make a treaty, and we'll be a witness yes. between the two of us. <laughs> my theory is since God is, an, is invisible, the missing noun is God. <laughs> hmm. Yes, God will be a witness. Yaakov took a rock and made a pillar out of it.
1: Gather some rocks, Yaakov told his kin. Everyone's got some rocks and made a big pile together. <laughs> then they had a picnic on the rock pile. <laughs> Yovan called the pile of rocks Yagir Shadahaduth, but Yaakov
0: called it Gilead. I have no idea what Yagar Shaduta means, but Gal-ed is Hebrew for pile witness. This pile
1: of rocks will witness our agreement, Levon said. That's why it's called Galeed. See? The rock pile is also called the Mitzpah.
0: Oh my God, how many of his names does this rock pile have?
1: <laughs> because Levon said, God will watch over us when we are separated from each other.
0: Mitzpah has the same
1: root as the word for watching over, which is why it's called the Mitzpah. If you, Yaakov, do not respond to my daughters... With sex, by the way or take more women in
0: addition to my daughters. Um, Originally, I had a joke where I was like, oh, also he has two lady slaves that he gets to fuck. But actually, according to Rashi, Lavan said daughters twice, because Bilhah and Zilpah are also his daughters from some of his concubines. Even though no man is between us, God will see, because
1: he is a witness for both of us. Here is the pile of rocks, (sighs) Lavan said to Yaakov. And here is the pillar I made. Uh, Yaakov made the pillar? This rock pile and pillar shall be witnesses. We agree that I will not cross this mound, and you will not cross this pile of rocks or this pillar in order to do evil. If we do, the God of Abraham and the God of Nachor,
0: the God of our fathers, will judge us. Nachor, as you recall, because you're all very attentive listeners, is Lavan's grandfather's name and also Avram's brother. It's also the name of Avraham's grandfather going way back up the line. Which Nachlar is Lavan referring to? It doesn't matter.
1: <laughs>
0: Yaakov swore by his father Yitzhak's dread. So supposedly the reference to dread here and a little earlier is happening because you're not supposed to refer to the god of someone who's still alive. I've read that somewhere. But um, that has totally happened in this book before. Maybe this is just the fear that Yitzchak constantly carries with him because his dad once tried to kill him. Then he slaughtered a sacrifice
1: on the mountain and called to his crew to eat bread. They did and slept on the mountain. Levon got up in the morning, kissed his sons and daughters, blessed them, and went home. There's more. Yeah. It was such a good ending, though. (laughs) No, there's a better one. a place gets a name. Yaakov and his enormous entourage continued on their way and met some of God's messengers. When I saw them, Yaakov said, I realized this was a camp of God. Maybe he said this later. Who knows the timing
0: of him just shouting this out? He called the place Machanayim. So Hebrew translation, Machaneh means camp. So Machanayim means super camp or something. Mahanaim is also what Israeli kids call dodgeball. So maybe it's Yaakov called the place dodgeball, which I like much better. That's chapter 26. Oh, man. That was a fun one. A lot of politics and and rock piles. Yaakov really likes rock piles, and I like that about him. Because what else are you going to do when you're living in the desert? Oh, that's not a question. It's not a question you don't have Dodge to answer. Ball? Dodgeball? Dodgeball. <laughs> play dodgeball. Herd sheep around. So usually we have a segment here called the Devar Torah. We like to uh, literally have a Torah word, which is what Devar Torah means, or a Torah thing. Phil, do you think you can sum up the two chapters that we just read into one single word? Agreements? Sure. Agreements. Mine was deceit, <laughs> because Yaakov does a lot of that. I was thinking recently that he's very. Even though Lavon tricked him, he's a, a pretty deceptive guy. He tricked, uh, or he, he, he got Aesop's birthright by selling him soup, and then he tricked his father into blessing him, and now he's just running away right under Lavon's nose. So he's a great guy, and the twenty years too of of work. 14 for the years of work. Daughters yeah. and six. For the flocks <laughs> yes just six for the flocks he was he's been there for 20 years i love how quickly time flies and stories like this and people just rack up numbers in their ages like it's nothing and just cross rivers and get into fights normally and minimum wage has changed 10 times yes <laughs> well i i like to think that like Lavon um would just constantly change wages. Like one morning he'd come in and be like, Yaakov, I'm going to give you 5,000 goats a day. And then by noon he's just like, no, it's one. <laughs> Sorry, got you again. Um, but look, do you have any other final thoughts about this? Like just about tying all this stuff together that we've just read?
1: What do you, well... think, about,
0: what do you think about what Yaakov does? Because he, he, he does slip away, but is this theft? Yes. You think it's theft? <laughs> yes. Why, why do you think it's theft? Why do you think cuz there's an agreement earlier that these are his sheep. Why do you think that's theft? Well, so it's, oh, it's not necessarily theft, but you have you have the breeding with the, the spotted and the and, yes. and and that it's I guess trickery would be okay. a better would be a better word. So, I, I was thinking about this cuz I think your father mentioned something about it the other day. Um, that Yaakov steals the lambs, and I've literally never in my life considered what he did stealing. And I think maybe that's the difference between the Catholic approach to this and the Jewish approach. Yeah, Because to you, it's like he took something that wasn't his, he snuck out. To me, Lavan made an investment, Yaakov collects the return, that's what, how <laughs> it works, that's what you do. <laughs> Why are you complaining? <laughs> That's it for the show, I think. Um, is there anything you want to plug or anywhere that people can find you on the Internet if they, they'd like to, to find your books or your father's books? Sure. Um, they could go to the
1: website, the com, which is going to be updated soon. Uh, it's kind of old-fashioned, but uh, it works. And then we have a blog called uh, Dwindling in Unbelief, which is a, uh, it's a phrase used in the Book of Mormon a lot, and we thought it was kind of um, cute. So. <laughs> Um, and I didn't know that. I
0: kept looking at that and trying to puzzle out where it came from. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting the, the book. But yeah,
1: just, you know, you could look for our books. And um, they're at the Strand Bookstore here in, in New York. So.
0: Oh, cool. Around um, this area, kind of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you can listen to the podcast or you can follow the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash bible, Twitter at bible. We're on Tumblr, uh, omgwtfbible.tumblr.com. Uh, Or just omdwtfbible.com. You can listen to it on Stitcher, iTunes, any podcast app, really. Please share the show with other people, uh, with your priests, your rabbis, your grandparents, your children, uh, strangers you meet on the train. Just tell everyone about it, because spread it through word of mouth. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. If you don't, keep it to yourself. Or send me a crazy message, because I like to read them on the show. Um... That's it. I want to thank uh, Megan Gray at the Magnet Theatre for letting us do this. Emily Shapiro, our audio engineer. John Passaro, Wendy Chin for making our posters. Uh, Phil for being here. Let's just hear it for him. Yeah. Our live audience, thank you so much for being attentive to this show. And of course, you for listening. Uh, please be sure to join us if you're in New York for episode 15 with Chris Hastings. It's going to be a beauty bar on November 25th at 9:30 p.m. though the event starts at 9 it's going to hit the internet on December 2nd and make sure to listen or be here because next time in the Bible a whole lot of kissing <laughs>